Okay, we are continuing our series together, uh, looking at the DNA of Woodside. I'm not going to say too much, because I know Richie's going to be doing this. Richard is a, a great uh, friend. He's part of the staff team. He's also surely going to become an, recognized an elder with Hudson in a few weeks' time. So it's wonderful to have Rich with us. Would you give him a raucous welcome as he brings God's word to us? Rich. Great. Fantastic. Thank you for that. That's very kind. <laughs> right, okay, just going to open in prayer. It's been an amazing morning, isn't it? And I'll be honest with you, I'd love to stay in that place, but we've got to move on. So, Father, we just thank you for this morning. It's been absolutely beautiful. We just thank you for the church you're building here. I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit which are flowing flowing out. It's a beautiful, it's absolutely wonderful, Lord. We just thank you. Holy Spirit, just continue this morning being with us. I pray that you would touch our hearts as the word is brought. I pray that you would melt us, actually. Melt us for our community. Melt us for love for our community. I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Now, we are massively growing as a church, and I'm aware that there's people here who don't know me from Adam, so I'm going to just give a quick quick overview of who I am. So I'm obviously Richard. I'm married to Gaynor, who's over there. Give us a wave, Gaynor. There she is. Been married for 30, just coming up to 34 years. Um, we have uh, Luke. We gave, well, Gaynor gave birth to three boys and a lovely daughter. So Luke, Nathan, Joshua, and Naomi. The father-in-law to Rach, Han, Danny, and Michael. And it's a real privilege. They are wonderful. I love them all. And we have 12, at the last count, 12 grandchildren. <laughs> All of which come to Woodside. So it is very much, this is our family and extended family. So it's beautiful. I became a Christian when I was 18 years old. I'm now, I'm now 58. So I've been a Christian for 40 years. I served when I left school. I joined the Royal Air Force as a military policeman, where I was just become a Christian at that point, and I got a real foundation from the guys I met. They were all solid Christian guys, and that real brought a core inside me for what I believe and what I stand up for from the age of 18. So I'm blessed with that. I joined the Metropolitan Police. I did 26 years with the Met working in some of the roughest places in London and showing God's love because I was a Christian for all of that time. I loved being what I would call a Christian policeman, not just a policeman, a Christian policeman. I feel it's slightly different. And I had the privilege of doing that. And then when I retired from the, from the Met, I joined the King's Arms Project. And I just want to say a massive thank you to those guys. They really shaped me. Our healing came as a result of me working for those guys. And I'm greatly in debt to them and to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who really has changed me over the last five years. And our work at Woodside Church as a pastor and leader of Project 41, which is our social action movement, which is an absolute privilege to do. I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about community. I love those on the fringes of society. And the subject which I'm going to be talking on today is right up my street. <laughs> so so we've looked, we're looking at our DNA over the next few weeks, we started off with grace. Martin taught us on being a church full of grace. 
A church full of truth was our week two. And this week we're going to split into two parts. So called to serve our community and called to reflect our community is what is part of our DNA strand. And I'm going to be talking on the first part, called to serve our community. Now, I want to start a really important part to start because when you're serving, when you're serving, it's very draining. But I want to start by t- telling you that actually the Holy Spirit, and we got a glimpse of that, well, a glimpse, we got a revelation of it this morning, how the Holy Spirit can come and fill us afresh. And it's really important at the very beginning of this talk that we talk, that's where, that's where it all comes from, the Holy Spirit living in us, our way of serving people. He equips us. It says in Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against so, such things, there is no law. So we don't have to work at being good because actually God changes us from the inside out. So it's not done from our own resources. It's done from God's resources. And that is one of the big lessons I've learned in the last five or six years. Actually, this is God's work. Actually, we're just part of, part of that work, but actually it's all his work. <clears throat> so I guess the question that we're going to ask then is who is our community? Two weeks ago... I woke up at, five, at 6 o'clock in the morning, Gaynor got up, and I'm hoping that you guys do this, and I know you do because of the evidence this morning. We say to God, I come to the church, and I say to God, how do you want to use me this morning? And I do that when I go to sleep sometimes as well. I say, God, what do you, how do you want to speak to me? How do you want to use me? And I went to, I went to bed, I went back to sleep at, at 6 o'clock, and before I went back to sleep, I said to, I said to Jesus, if you want to speak to me, I'm going to be in sleep now for the next hour. Come and speak to me. <laughs> Why not? (laughs) Why not say that? So I did, and I had a prophetic dream. So, and I'm going to just tell you what that was. So I was preaching to a church, and I was preaching on serving the community, but my emphasis was on serving the community out there and not on serving the community in here. And as as I was preaching, people started getting up and going, until there was just three people left. <laughs> I was one of those. <laughs> and as I, as I woke up, the words, what does the Bible say? 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 Was just ringing through my head. I was literally woke up and there was, Ooh, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And I knew what the Bible said because I'd done a little bit of studying. And the Bible says that we are God's community. And, and what's outside is an extension of our community. Our brothers and sisters you guys are our community and outsiders is an extension of our community. So we have to love each other really well, first and foremost. So to put it in another way, what does the Bible say? Romans 12:10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints, brothers and sisters, that is. And seek to show hospitality. You see, if we concentrate on our extended community and don't care for our immediate community, people will feel unconnected, unloved, not part of our family. Their needs, physical, emotional and spiritual, won't be met. And our church family, our community, would be dysfunctional. I understood quite clearly what God was saying to me. 
and that is actually loving our community starts with loving each other and extends out into our community. There's a theme running through the Bible of serving each other well and loving each other well. So the first part of a community is we are that community. And the second part of a community is everybody we come into contact with is our community. So there are the people who come here and they come to play people. And I know there's people dotted around in this room today who come to play people. The guys who come to play people are our community. And we're going to love them and serve them well. The people who come to connections are our community. And there's guys here as well. And we're going to love them well. The people who come to Centre 41 are our community, and we're going to love them well. Food bank, course attendances, the people we meet every day, mums, dads, when you go down to the school and pick up your kids, the mums are picking up their children, the dads picking up their children are our community. The people that we meet at work, the people that we rub shoulders with, the people who we come across in our lives, whether it's walking the dog, whether it's going down the shops, They are our community, and we're called to love them well as well. That is what our... In other words, you could put it this way. They're our community, but they're also our neighbours. Here at Woodside, east and west, we are a community together and represent a larger community that extends outside of this church building. So the community is both us and those who we meet outside of this building. And we are called to love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, and love our neighbours as ourselves. That's, that bit is really important as well. We quote the first bit, quite often we lose the next bit. We need to love our neighbours as well. A great starting point, therefore, is to love and serve each other well, really well. How's our marriages doing? How's our relationships doing? How are we doing? Have we got any food in the cupboards? Whatever it is, our marriage in trouble, whatever it is, we are to love each other and look out for each other well. And then we do the same outside of here. Or John, Jesus put it beautifully. (laughs) obviously, and I'm going to read what he had to say. He says it in John 13, 33, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. The church should be attractive to people looking in. You see, they are looking in and they're seeing something different. They're going to want to come. Aren't you? Yeah, in each other well. We want to be attractive as well to our community that we come into contact with. I want to tell you a little story. It happened a couple of months ago. I was walking down the road, got chatting to a lady and her daughter, and they were asking about the church service times, and I was explaining when they were. And I said to them, why are you thinking of coming along? And the answer was really interesting. The answer was yes, because we want to be part of a community. Not that we want to become Christians, but we want to be part of a community. You see, this is where belong, believe, be transformed comes into place. Belonging is so important. We want people to come and feel they belong. And when we have the opportunity to give them the gospel relationally, in a much more easy way, when they trust us and they open up to us. See, community has broken down. We all know that. 
there is so much loneliness. And it's not just our elderly that were renowned for you know, the loneliness thing going back for generations. But now it's even our youngsters are lonely. Everybody, you know, people across our society are lonely. And we have something to offer. We have a beautiful Christ-like community where they can come and be loved. So we're not called to be islands. We're called to love those around us as Jesus loves us and gave himself for us. So, a really important thing, if we're going to love our community well, this is really important. We need to know that we are loved. There's no point in just loving our community well, but we are loved by the Father. Number one, most important thing, we need to know who we are in God and the fact that he loves and cares for us. He knows us intimately. He knows how many hairs there are on our head. For me, not so many. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. He knows the days he's allocated to us. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows our individual ways. He knows our history. He knows our parents' history. He knows our grandparents' history. Generation back, generation back, generation back. He knows them all. He knows that, we are, that we're unique, that we're special. He knows that he has plans for us, but not only plans for us, but plans to use us to grow his kingdom. He calls us by name. Brian, you're called by name. Jamie, you're called by name. Katie, you're called by name. God loves us. He knows us intimately. It's a beautiful truth. I love it. And we are called to be a community to break the brokenness, to bring healing in our community where there is division and brokenness. Our local community is looking out for something different, somewhere that they can call home. Well, they can call this home because Jesus lives among us. So how can we serve our community well? I'm going to go into some practical things now. So we're going to look at a fantastic, a really well-known story, and we're going to break it up. So it's a parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm going to read it to you now. And then we're going to break it up into sections and just see what it looked like for the Good Samaritan. How did he serve his community well? And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? And he answered, You should love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he, meaning Jesus, said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to just himself, justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, who beat him, who departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side too. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you, and I will come back. When... All of these, so which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, well, the one who showed mercy. 
And Jesus said to him, yes, go and do likewise. Although the question was about inheriting eternal life through this parable, I believe that we can learn some practical ways of serving our community through this story. Well, firstly, who is our neighbour? I think we've touched on that. It's anybody we come in contact with is our neighbour. So let's have a, that's even our enemies, guys. So let's look at the Good Samaritan, what he did. Number one, he saw the issue. Firstly, he saw the issue. In this case, it was a man lying half dead on the side of the road. He didn't pretend the issues weren't there. He didn't close his eyes to the issues. He looked at the problem, recognised for what it was, a real issue. We are called, each and individual here is called to identify where the needs are in our community. And remember, our community is us and then extended. This can be by what we see for ourselves, what we've heard, what we've read. It could be a drug abuse issue, a loneliness issue, a poverty issue, a violence, gang issue, a homelessness issue, a mental health issue, a marriage in trouble issue, a death in the family issue, a broken down family issue, or some other issue that affects our community. The important thing is that we see that there is an issue. We don't just close our eyes and walk by like the Levite and the priest. Number two, he had compassion. The Bible defines compassion in several ways, but in essence, it's a disposition that fuels acts of kindness and mercy. It's a form of love that is aroused in us when we're confronted with those who suffer or are vulnerable. Compassion often produces an action of alleviating the suffering. Compassion often produces an action aimed at alleviating the suffering. We are compassionate people because God is a compassionate God and he lives in us and we're made in his image. So we, deep down, are compassionate people because Jesus. He went to him. He didn't walk on the other side of the road like the priest or Levite. You see, love is an action. He did something. He wasn't a bystander. He was courageous, single-minded, and a risk taker. Sometimes, and it came up actually, the prophetic stuff, sometimes we can be too scared to step out and be counted. But people say say things like, don't put your head above the parapet. Someone will chop it off. (laughs) Let them sort out their own mess. They got them into it themselves. Look after number one. But that's not what we're called to do at all. And Jesus didn't look after one, number one. He served those around him. The good Samaritan did just this at a risk to his own health. He went to him, put himself in the firing line, put his head above the parapet and showed love at the point of need. We're going to come back to that point in a minute. He bound up his wounds. The good Samaritan took necessary action to bring healing to the victim. He identified the need and took action. And the needs can be all sorts of things in our community. A bereavement may have taken place. No, we're all going to suffer that. I've suffered it recently. My dad died. We all will meet these sort of needs. You know. So um, 
And that addiction could have taken hold of someone. And that can not just drugs, alcohol, shopping's an addiction, pornography is an addiction. There's all sorts of addictions out there in our society. And we're all susceptible and we all need help at times. Loneliness could have set in. We've touched on that. Agoraphobia. We're working with somebody at the moment who's too scared to go out of their house. Well, actually, we want to love them well and we want to help them to move out of the house, to get out of the house. Domestic violence is around us. Poverty is around us. Unemployment is around us. Mental health is around us. Inequality is around us. Poor health is around us. And the list goes on and on. We are called to bind up the wounds so that they can heal. A prayer Jesus says he'll come in and he will heal. A prayer, a signpost to an appropriate professional. If it's a marriage, well, we may not have the experience or the necessary knowledge, but I'll tell you what, there are people out there that really do, and it could be that we just take someone's hand and we take them over and say, hey, here's a really good marriage counsellor. Get in there. You and your husband, we want to love you well. You and your wife, we want to love you well. We want to see the brokenness that's going to affect your whole family. We want to see it restored. So we just take them by the hand and we take them to an appropriate place. Financial provision. There's debt advice out there. There's loads of stuff. Food. We've got food bank here, but there's, you know, people could be short of food. There's people who need to find accommodation. I think we're working with three people at the moment, helping them to find accommodation. There's so many needs at the moment. Provide gas and electricity where it's cold. Help to obtain employment. So there's so much that we can do, help to do. But you know what? One of the best things is a listening ear and a praying person because God gets in and he breaks down those barriers because it's his work. It's not our work. It's his work that we get to partner in. We have a calling within our local community. We have an amazing opportunity within our local community to see Christ break in, bring healing, lives restored, He took care of him from his own resources. Sometimes there's a call on us to help someone from our own resources. These resources can be our time, practical help. It might be financial help, a listening ear. We need to be wise, though, when considering the best way to help someone because it's not always the obvious way. It could be that someone needs a lift to hospital, taken out for a coffee because they feel isolated, invited for dinner so they can get to know people, helped with the completion of the CV so they can get a job, helped with filling in um, forms which are complicated, helped with writing a letter, an official letter to a government department. It can be all of these things. Providing the opportunity to talk and allowing them to externally process the issue that's causing them suffering. There are lots and lots of ways we, as a community, can help our community, our extended community. People at Woodside have historically and more recently helped people get into paid work, accommodated them, helped people who have gone to hospital and had an operation, helped them to convalesce at their own houses, provided a room following a marriage breakup and family problems. Financially helped people, provided support and advice to people suffering from addiction and lots, lots more. We have a great, great part to play. It's exciting. It's exciting. He came back to him, his number six point. He didn't just dump the problem on the innkeeper. Here he is, get on with it. No, he didn't do that. We are called to be responsible for onward care. It may not directly involve us, but it could involve us facilitating the care of somebody through a third party. Building a relationship is key. 
It's trust is key. Someone knowing that you're going to take some action is really important, that you just haven't ignored it like the Levite. It's a problem. I know it's a problem. There's an elephant in the room. We're not going to go there because it's hard work. No, we're not called to be those people. We're called to do something. Number seven, we need to be soft-hearted. We're not called to judge anyone. And I think this is my favourite point. I'm going to go into this. The next two points are my favourite point. (laughs) We're not called to judge anyone. God alone is our judge. See, the Samaritan man could have talked about the unwise choices that this guy had made when he started his journey from Jerusalem to Jericho along a road that was called the Way of Blood. And it was called the Way of Blood because it was dangerous, because people got killed there, because they got robbed, because they got injured. He didn't say, what on earth are you doing taking all your possessions along this road on your own? You silly person. He didn't say that, did he? No, he didn't. He met him at his point of need as he was lying beaten up on the ground. I mean, you could change this around. I know I've got a little bit more time, so I'm going to expand a little bit. We're walking down the road, Bedford High Street, and there's the guy there begging. And we think, oh, we could walk past and say, well, silly, he's taking drugs, it's his own fault. Yet that's not what we're called to do. We're called to get alongside that person and love them where they're at. It's a beautiful thing, trust me. Because these people, the people whose lifestyles sometimes we might find difficult are people, and they have God's image. They're image carriers, and they are actually beautiful people. And they just need a a hand up sometimes. You know, that's what they need. So, we're called to be like Jesus, a friend of those perceived to be wrongdoers and beyond help. Our church needs to be open to all people, accepting of them whatever their life choices are. We're called to love unconditionally. Because God loves us unconditionally. That's the point, isn't it? Who do we think we are? Actually, we're really no better. Actually, we we were dead in our sins and needed help. My personal story is that I had a hard heart. This is going back a little while ago, not that long ago. I was without emotion. I was without empathy. I was without mercy. My my heart had been shut down. It had been I put protections in my in that place. I'd seen some awful things over the years of being a police officer and it made me hard. I went on a course and the first day of this course I sat down and I said to God, God, why am I here? I don't even want to be here. And as I was closing my eyes, I had a, saw a picture of a tin and the tin opener was opening up the tin and I knew God was talking about my heart and he wanted to open up my heart and reveal the contents Someone came up to me at the end of the evening and said to me, God's asked me to come and chat to you. And he wants to say that he's going to peel you back and reveal who you are. It was incredible. Over the next year, God brought healing to me, emotionally gave me a heart for those on the fringes of society, an empathy for the poor, a passion for his presence, and a desire to give my whole heart to him. So we are called, guys, to have a soft heart. We're called to challenge our motives. Why do we think like that? Where's that coming from? Is it coming from God? Is it something we've put in the way? Is it a barrier that we've put in the way? Actually, God wants to break in and change us. See, the Good Samaritan story is also a story about our spiritual journey. See, we were dead in our sins on the side of the road before Jesus came into our lives. 
We'd made bad choices. But Jesus, the God, the good Samaritan, the great Samaritan, the amazing Samaritan, didn't condemn us, but at our point of need, he had mercy on us. He found us dead in our sins, without hope, he rescued us. He paid the price for our healing by giving his life for ours. He went on the cross for us and died for us and rose on the third day, defeating death and making a way for us to be with him forever. We need rescuing, but Jesus rescued us. And there may be people here this morning who need rescuing. And I want you to know that there is an amazing rescue out there and his name is Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've said, whatever your history is, is irrelevant to Jesus because you might be dying on the side of the road, but he doesn't care. He just loves you. He wants to raise you up and make you into the person that he's designed you to be. You're not beyond hope. There is no hopelessness. There's no hopeless cases. There's no lost causes when Jesus is involved. He steps in and he brings beautiful forgiveness and a new life. What more could you want? We are called to be a blessing to our community. It's part of our DNA. At Woodside, we are called to love each other and our extended community well. And I believe that we are seeing a change here at our Woodside Church. And I believe it's because we are now reaching out to our community, to the poor, to the marginalised, and bringing hope and love. And that is why I think we have seen massive changes over the last few months, a few years actually, because we're doing that and God loves that. There's so much work to be done, but we must never forget it's God's work that we are doing and he is there for us, equipping us and leading us and filling us with his Holy Spirit, opening doors for us. It's important for us to remember at this point that it's by grace that we've been saved through, through faith and that it's not from ourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so no man can boast. It says that in Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. In other words, we're not saved because of our good deeds. We're saved because of his mercy and his love and his goodness towards us. We must also remember that we cannot do anything without him. We need him. He doesn't need us, but he uses us to grow his kingdom. Very quickly, I've still got a little bit of time. I wanted to just tell you a quick story that illustrates this. I used to work with a guy, and I called his name Paul. It wasn't Paul, but Paul. I met with this guy for three months. I met with him in Costa in town. He was a heroin addict. I would chat with him. And to start with, when I met with him, he'd literally <laughs> collapse on the table. His head would hit the table. He had, he had death in his eyes. His eyes were lifeless. His life was a mess. And over a period of three months, there was improvements to the point where he did some voluntary work. And then he vanished. Didn't see him for a year. I put loads of time into this guy. Just vanished. But you know what? The beautiful thing, and this is why I'm telling the story, is I met him a year later. I was at church, and I saw him. Went over to him. I went over to Paul, and I looked at him. His eyes were completely different. There was life in his eyes. There was a smile on his face. And I said, Paul, what's happened? And he went, I went to an Alpha course, and I got saved. I've given up drugs and I've got a job and I'm so happy. You see, you see, God, 
You see, God loves Paul infinitely more than, than we do. And actually, it's God's job to bring him along. It's God's job, job to reveal himself. We're just pawns. And that was a real reminder to me. It doesn't matter. It's not about us and the works that we do. Actually, it's his. We're just helping him. He loves that person infinitely more than we do. So the pressure is off. Totally off. It's his work. Okay. So the Holy Spirit equips us and changes us from the inside out and allows us, equips us to serve him. So I'm going to close there because I'm nearly out of time. It's gone very quickly. And I just want to just pray. Father in heaven... I thank you that your Holy Spirit lives in us. It's incredible that you change us from the inside out. Give us, I pray, soft hearts. Soft hearts, not calloused ones. Reveal yourself to us. Lord, let us know first and foremost that we're loved by you. That you are for us. That you know us by name. And then use us to grow your kingdom. Let's just stay in prayer for a moment. Just really felt what Rich shared was important for us. And though we've been saying we want to review our DNA and remind ourselves, and there's moments when you're thinking, yeah, we need to hear that afresh. I really felt that sense of seeing the need was something that I felt God speak to me about. So often the busynesses of our, the busyness of our lives is such that we don't always see what, what's happening around us some of the darkness that people have got in their lives. And I just really want to build on, in terms of prayer, just pray for us that God would do something in us. Uh, Lord God, I thank you that you revealed your love to us. And Lord, I pray that we would be those that would see. Give us your sight, Lord, that we would see the needs of the person who may be even on our left and right right now. Lord, we may be sat there longing for someone to notice that I'm lost, I'm in a dark place, I'm, I'm putting on a front. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally work in us and that we would be the people that Rich has preached about today. Lord, we thank you for the stories. We thank you for all that we can celebrate. God, I pray would you continue to do this work in us. We pray for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen.